Hebrews chapter 13. I'm not going to hold you long today. Three or four hours. It's not long if you was in Africa or Mexico or Central America or Thailand. It's not long. They like to go to church, don't they? Amen. Praise God. Listen to the Word of God. There we go. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So do not be carried away by varied and strange teaching. For it is good for the heart to be strengthened by grace not by foods through which those who were so occupied were not benefited. We have an altar from which those who serve the tabernacle have no right to eat. How many of you see that? It's amazing. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. The writer of Hebrews says, and by two immutable things, or by two unchangeable things, it is impossible for God to lie. The two immutable things was there was no one that he could swear by an oath because there was no one greater than him. So he swore by his own name and he swore by his own oath. How many of you know that God places His Word above His name? You didn't get that. There is no other name. The Bible in Philippians teaches us, the Apostle Paul said, that when people hear the name of Jesus, they should just bow. When people hear the name of Jesus, they should confess their sin. Paul writes to the Corinthians and he says, At the name of Jesus, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. There come a day when every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. God is unchangeable. Listen to what he said. He said, Our sins are forgiven. And they will never, ever be recalled ever again. God is not a man that he should lie. So if he said our sins are forgiven, then they are forgiven. People suffer from anxiety and mental illness for one reason and one reason only. I'm going to say it again. People suffer from anxieties and mental illness for one reason. Because they cannot feel that their sins are forgiven. And they're ever before them. And so they believe a lie. It's part of the deception that Doc, Pastor Doc was talking about. We are deceived when we allow sin to come before us. We are deceived when we allow that sin to shape us once it's been forgiven. Because Christ forgive us of our sins through the shed blood of Jesus. Listen to what the Lord says. He said, don't hold on to sin. It's an easy thing. Just confess it. You sin, confess it. 
God don't wipe it away. He washes it away. Isn't that an amazing thing? Just confess and wash it away. The word has not changed. Here's what's changed. People have changed and churches have changed. People have changed because they don't believe in Jesus as, as Savior, even though they go to church. People have changed because they allow humanism and secularism to come in and help us make our decisions. How many of you understand that? People have changed. Churches have changed because they've taken the power of God out of the church. When they stop believing in God's Word, and God's Word says this, with God, nothing is impossible. Everybody say that. Nothing's impossible. So when they change that, they change faith. And the only faith that we want to believe in anymore is the faith that we've been saved. But we don't believe in that faith anymore because we can't believe that our sins are forgiven and our sins are gone. So if we have changed that, then we, have a, we believe in our heart that God can change. And we believe in our heart that God does not rule anymore with forgiveness. Listen, by two immutable things, it is impossible for God to lie. And what God has said is that through the death and the shed blood of His sons, your sins, when you received His Son as your personal Savior, is forgiven. Every single sin is forgiven. I'd ask you to wave your hand if you believe that, and every one of you would wave your hands. But the problem is, is your sins still become before you. And you say, well, why do, why do my sins always come before me? You think the devil isn't going to bring to you your past? You think he's not going to throw your past up? And he's going to say, look at this. And it's just going to bewilder you and it's going to cause you anxiety. And listen to what he's doing. He's going to show you something that doesn't exist anymore. See, the guy that bought my house, he can't wait till August the 1st to get out from underneath of that debt. And when he gets out from underneath of that debt, he don't owe it anymore. I'm going to tell you something. He don't care how he gets out of the debt. He just wants out of the debt. Well, you and I owed a debt and we couldn't pay it. It was too much for us to pay. And Christ paid that debt on the cross. And guess what? It's not owed anymore. He bought the debt and he paid for the debt. And the debt was his sacrificial life on the cross. Somebody say amen. That he became the Lamb of God ransomed for you and I. Boy, I'm going to hurt some of you. You got some bones that are hurting and you can't get them moving. Ask God if you have aught in yourself against somebody. And he might say, yeah, there's a sin there. I mean, there's some that you haven't forgiven. When Doc was talking about power forgiveness the other day and, and he said, stand up. And, and I'm searching myself and I said, well, I've, I've forgiven everybody. Well, praise the Lord, I feel good about this. And I didn't stand up. And the Holy Spirit said, have you? Have you? And I thought, oh, no. Because he's going to reveal something in me I don't want to look at. And sure enough, he did. Have you? See, here's the thing. Churches have changed 
People have changed, but God hasn't changed. And what we need to do is we need to challenge each other. And we need to challenge ministries. And we need to go into a perfection that God has set up for us. Paul the Apostle says something that it's hard to understand, but yet it's so simple. And what he said, he said, I have been saved, I am saved, and I'm being saved. Isn't that totally amazing? When he said, I've been saved, he's talking about the cross before the world was ever founded. When he said, I am saved, was the day that he knelt and received Christ as his personal Savior. And I'm being saved was that he's going on into perfection in the Holy Spirit. Isn't that amazing? So, you know, we look at that and we say, you know, that's a wonderful thing. Well, if that be the case and Christ saved me, then he gave me grace. He gave me a grace that I couldn't give myself. He gave me a grace that I still can't give myself. The the only grace that I have is what he's given me. And sometimes, listen to me, just fall on his grace. There's sometimes when you're going through a struggle and you can't get through the struggle, you need to fall on the grace of God and that grace will carry you. Let me tell you how perfect you are. When you give your heart and your life to the Lord Jesus Christ, he made you perfect in his sight and he wiped everything away. And when the devil brings your sins before you, remind yourself that God forgive you and in God's sight you are perfect and walk into that perfection because he has given you and he has given me grace. If we can just understand grace, it'll, it'll heal us. Do you know that? Now listen what else he has given us. He has not only given us grace, but he has shown us mercy. And so we fall on the mercy. You know something, when you, you go to court, you don't stand there and, 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 and cuss that judge out. Only a foolish man would do that. When you go to court, you fall on the mercy of that court. Hoping that judge will be lenient with you or more lenient with you. Listen to me. Fall on the mercy of God because God is a merciful God and He is lenient. And why is He lenient? He loved you and me so much that His Son went to the cross voluntarily and the Lord God the Father allowed Him to do that so that you and I might have life and we might have a sinless life that we might walk before Him Perfect in the, in, in the sight of God. Somebody say amen to that. So when I'm reminded of those things, and I'm just going to kind of just come off of her, her, uh, uh, of Katina's, uh, testimony, when I'm reminded of those things, what Christ has done on the cross, I probably won't murmur. But it's when I forget what he did at the cross. It's for when I forget what he's done. And I allow my sins just to ever go before me. Then I start to murmur and complain because I'm a weak man in myself. I have power in the Holy Spirit. But in myself, I am weak and I start to fall on my own flesh. Listen to me, I'm going to fail every time. How many of you understand that? And then I start to complain and I start to murmur. But when I think about the Lord, everything changes. Listen, I'll I'll be truthful with you. When it came to that house out there in the country, there were many times when Nancy and I both wanted to call that guy's debt due. 
but it, we couldn't. Holy Spirit wouldn't allow us. So we didn't hold no odd against that man because we had forgiven that. You know, the thing of it is, is that there was a time and place for it all to be done and for it to be done right. And so if we had have held odd against that guy when he said, I'm gonna, we, we wouldn't all celebrated. But when he says, yeah, I'm going to pay that all, we all celebrated. We was all happy. Well, first of all, Nancy and I had concussions because our head hit the table. Boom. We just couldn't believe what we said. That didn't happen. Okay, but it, it, all, it felt like it happened. So then Nancy and I had always thought that that woman lived with that man. We always thought that. And so we kind of worked that around to where we was going to get them married. You know, and, and so we worked that around. And he looked at me, he said, Pastor, she don't live with me. He said, she's got her own house. He said, we don't sleep together. I'm, I'm falling on the table again. Boom. <laughs> Isn't that right? He's a born-again Christian. He goes out to Word of Life. Okay, he, he loves the Lord. And, and, and I'm going, whoa, this might be the best day I've ever had in my life. Isn't that amazing? See, we need to challenge each other to go on into perfections. In Romans chapter 10 and verse 13, it says, For whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. When you called upon the name of the Lord, he saved you. And when you called upon the name of the Lord, he forgave you. Now listen to what he did. Now listen, when he saved you, hey, by the way, if you've never asked Jesus to come into your heart, you come to this church, you're still not saved. If you've not ever went to the cross and sit, knelt down before the Lord and repented of your sins and asked him to come into your life and say this, you know what the word says, that I will confess with my mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and believe in my heart that God raised him from the dead. If you've never done none of those things, I don't care how good you are, you're not saved. How many of you got that? So I'm going to talk to saved people and unsaved people. If you have given your heart to the Lord and he is your personal Savior, listen, he gives you faith to believe that God, with God, Everything is possible. How many of you understand that? So he says this, he said, Whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Well, when you receive Jesus as your personal Savior, boy, that opened up a door. And here's the door that it opened up to. It opened up to a kingdom that you walked into, but you don't know how to live in. You say, yes, I know how to live in that kingdom. If, if your sins are always before you, you don't know how to live in the kingdom of God. Did you get a hold of that? I'm not saying that you're not part of the kingdom of God. I'm saying you don't know how to live in the kingdom of God. If your transgressions are always haunting you, you don't know how to live in the kingdom of God. Isn't it amazing that you would be a child of the king, but yet take a servant's position. Now, I know the Bible teaches us that we need to be servants, but we're not talking about that kind of servant. 
We're talking about children of the Most High. You see, God can heal you instantly. He can heal you before you walk out that door if you can believe that all things are possible with God. When you give your heart to the Lord Jesus Christ, here's what the Bible says in Romans 12, 3. It says that he has appropriated unto you or he has given you a measure of his faith. Now listen, it's his faith that spoke this thing into existence. It's his faith that speaks. And when God speaks, how many of you know things get done? How many of you believe that by raising your hand when God speaks? Okay, now listen to me. When you speak in faith that God has given you, given you, God is speaking. Oh, you didn't get that. See, when you speak faith that God has given you, God is speaking. He's speaking right through you. How many of you understand that? When your sins come before you, don't argue with the devil. Cast them down. It's vain imagination. Vain, just cast it down. Cast it down. It'll go just like that. When you want to argue with your husband or wife, cast it down. And don't tell me if you're married, you don't argue. Because then I'll say, okay, you're just living together. Married people argue. I had a guy one time tell me, I never argue with my wife. She never. I said, never? We haven't had one, one argument in 15 years. I said, come on. He said, in 15 years, we've never argued. She divorced him the next month, and I thought, maybe he should have argued with that woman a little bit. And that's a true story, isn't it, hon? I thought, maybe he should have just kind of argued a little bit. Okay? Now, now, pay attention to me. You see, because Jesus Christ, the Bible says, is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Here's what Mitch Woodson says. If he could, he still can. If he did, he still does. And if he would, he still will. How many of you understand that? So listen, what we need to understand is, is that when we start to speak faith that God give us, then that's God speaking through us. And if God, when God speaks, things start to happen. How many of you understand that? So don't argue with the devil. He's not worth talking to. You know what? Have you ever just felt like certain people aren't worth talking to? The devil is not worth talking to. And I told the devil, why do you want to do that? Why don't you just go to the Lord and just leave him out of the quotation altogether and come back and start speaking faith that God has given you because if he's given you faith, and he and this has just come to me, it's not part of the notes, but if he's given us faith and he's also given us the keys to the kingdom of heaven, then why are we not speaking things into existence that God wants us to speak into existence? Somebody say amen to that. Listen to me. You know, when can I use you as an example? Okay, Sheila got a new car. I'm thinking Sheila, not Nathan, because I don't see Nathan drive it. <laughs> okay? And she says, Pastor, come and look at my new car. Oh, that's a car I wanted. I hate it. 
Sheila got a new car, got the one I wanted. Yeah. You know that's how a lot of people feel. How come I can't say, whoa, praise the Lord. God blessed her with a new car. And then some people say, well, you know, she deserves that blessing because she works hard. Do you understand the problem with that is you said she deserves it because she worked hard? How many of you know God just wants to bless us whether we deserve or whether we don't deserve? God just wants to bless us. Somebody say amen to that. Now, I'm not telling you to quit your job. You need to work. People need to work. Yeah, well, you do. We need to work. There's nothing wrong with working. There's a whole lot wrong with not working when we're able to work. Somebody say amen to that. But understand this. We don't enjoy the blessing that God gives other people. And for some reason, it just kind of stirs something up inside of us. But what happens when I say, whoa, she received a blessing and it excites me that she receives a blessing and she receives, receives it because she gives to the kingdom of God and God gives back to her. He is unchangeable. And so what happens is we start to speak into our circumstances. We start to speak into our finances. We start to speak into our relationships. And we start to speak these things. And listen, if there is a problem, God's going to show us the problem on how to get rid of it so that we can be blessed. Somebody say amen. Because what God wants to do is open up the windows of heaven. Somebody say amen to that. And he wants to open up the windows of heaven through the faith in which we speak in his son's name by the way which he give us. Can you say amen to that? So he's, un he's unchangeable. God's unchangeable. And nothing is impossible with God. But how come it's impossible with us? Because in 1 John 1, 9, listen to what it says. If we confess our sins, he, Jesus, is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Listen, what we need to do is just go back and confess. You know what? I blew it. That's all we got to do is I blew it. And he's going to say, I know that, but I'm glad you confessed that. And then he's just going to wash it away. Now listen, he's going to wash it away. There's a river in the Middle East called the Jordan. And everybody thinks that that's a wonderful river, the Jordan. But the Jordan is not a wonderful river. The Jordan is a cesspool. And that's where they throw dead bodies, the dead pigs, the dead animals. Everybody, I want to go be baptized in the Jordan. Really? Oh, great things happen in the Jordan. It does. Because the Jordan River was at that time, in Jesus' time, it was just a river for sewage. And the, the Jordan River runs into the Dead Sea. The Dead Sea is the Dead Sea because there's no, there, it's, it's got so much salt in it that the evaporation rate and, and the river going into the sea are the same. But what happens, did you know that the Dead Sea is the lowest point on earth? How many of you knew that? It's the lowest point on, 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 on our, our earth. And so this Dead Sea. And so what happens is, is all the trash goes into the Dead Sea 
and it's washed away. And that's what God says. The Lord says, listen, take your trash that you, you just blew it. I'm going to take you into the Jordan. I'm going to wash you clean, and it's just going to be washed away. And it's going to go into a sea that's called the Dead Sea. And there, that's not going to be remembered no more. Understand why uh, uh, Elijah had Haman uh, 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 dip into the Jordan River. Because, listen, he he had leprosy. And Haman said, well, why don't you take me to the clean rivers? Why would you put leprosy in the clean river? Right? Why would you do that? Why would you taint the clean river? He said, man, take me to the Euphrates or take me to the Nile. He said, you want me to go into that cesspool of Jordan and understand what happens here. He said, listen, he said, I want you to go dip into the Jordan seven times. And, and, and so he says, when you dip in the Jordan seven times, you're going to be, clean, you're going to be cleansed. And all of a sudden, then, then Haman gets really upset and he gets angry with the prophet. And you know what? Then the servant says to, uh, to uh, it's not Haman. Haman's the guy they kill. Naaman. It was Naaman. Haman was the one they killed. They hung him. All right. It was Naaman. And so he says, the servant says to Naaman, he said, if he'd have told you to do something great, you would have did it. They didn't tell you to do something great. Oh, man, give me something great, God. I want to do something great. He said, just go dip in the Jordan seven times. He said, how's that going to hurt you? And so Naaman goes and dips in the Jordan, and the first time he dips in the Jordan, listen to me, he's just as much a leper as he was when he dipped. Second, third, fourth, fifth, and sixth. Every time he he dips into the Jordan, he comes up a leper. But when he hit that seventh time, and he kicked his faith in, because the first time didn't kick his faith in, but the second time started kicking faith in. And a third time, and he's kicking faith in, but he's not seeing nothing done. How many of you understand that? He's kicking the faith in, but he's not seeing nothing done. He's just as much a leper the sixth time as he was the first time. But he finished that number seven or that perfection of God, the number seven. And that seventh time when he went into that old river, all of a sudden now all that leprosy falls off of him and it goes into that river and it is washed into the Dead Sea and it's not going to come back upon him anymore. Listen to what God said. He said, if you'll confess your sin... He is faithful and righteous to forgive your sin and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. He'll wash you and cleanse you and it will go into the Dead Sea. And so, by the way, as a note here, understand something. Even if you have something to confess, you need to confess it, but it don't alter your faith. Oh, you didn't get that. What happens when we start to do things and we're deceived by the devil. How many of you remember the message that Doc preached when he preached about deception? We sin because we are deceived. That's the only reason why we sin, because we are deceived. And so we fall into that deception. But let me tell you what it doesn't affect. It doesn't affect God's relationship with you. It affects your relationship with God. 
Because when you do that, shame comes, reproach comes, and you bring it upon yourself. And the devil loves that, but it doesn't affect God's relationship with you. It affects your relationship with God because now you feel like you're not worthy to come to the Lord anymore. So now you're starting to work yourself to the bone to try to get back in good graciousness with God. And when you can't get it done, you start to complain. And then the devil is faithful in the fact that he's going to show you your past sins and ever bring them present when God says, listen, my relationship with you does not change. Your faith that I've given you is still there, enacted. And how do you do that? Faith says, if I go to the Lord and I confess my sin, he's going to wash me clean and wipe it away, and I stand pure before him. Somebody say amen to that. Listen, God's relationship with you and I is never going to change. What a horrible thing to think. I'm about to get through here in another 45 minutes. I'm just teasing. This lady back here is kind of new here, and she's going, oh, I hope so. I'm just teasing. She didn't say that either. All right, listen. Our relationship with God doesn't depend on how good or bad we are. Does it? Yeah, it does. It's his relationship with us that doesn't depend on how good or bad we are. Then why does he want you to wash clean? Because you stink. You stink with the world. That world starts getting on you. You've been deceived, right? And so you think, well, my sins are still... No, he didn't bring your sins back. What's happened is you got body odor. And you need to go get a little deodorant. You need to take a bath and get a little deodorant and stick on. You got body odor. You stink. I'm not saying you do. When I say you, I'm talking about all of us, that second person general, Okay. I just want you to know that because somebody's going to say, whoa, mm, no, no. See, what happens is we start to stink, but we're not stinking because God has allowed our sin to come back on us. But we allow the trash of this world to come on us. We've been deceived. And God says, simple plan. It's a simple plan that I have. When I saved you, I forgive your sins of yesterday and today. Somebody says, well, what about tomorrow? You're not going to get there. Oh, he's forgiven my sins of yesterday, today, and tomorrow. No, you don't get to live in tomorrow. How many of you are going to wake up in tomorrow? No, you'll wake up in today. Paul says today is the day of salvation. You don't get to live in tomorrow. And Jesus, he doesn't say this. I mean, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday today and forever so if you want to say my sins are forgiven from yesterday today and forever you can say that but you never get to wake up in tomorrow and so right now i have the stench of sin because i've been deceived by jezebel spirit or by an Absalom spirit, or by a Korah spirit. I've been deceived, and I have that stench on me. God says, well, then take a bath. Take a bath. How, how, I, anybody here watch Lonesome Dove? 
I love watching Robert Duvall, Lonesome Dove. I was watching them take a bath. They take a bath in their underwear. They, they're, they're, they wear long-handled underwear in the summertime, and they all took a bath in the river in their underwear. I think that's what a lot of us are doing. God said, hey, you know what? Now don't, now don't be offended. Get naked before me. Expose yourself to me and let me cleanse you from the top of your head all the way to the bottom of your feet. And listen to what God says. He said, and I'm the one that's going to do that. Amen? And you, you, when you was raising children, you wanted those children clean, didn't you? Well, God wants you clean too. Now listen to what he's saying. He's saying, your sins have been forgiven, and I've given you faith to start to speak into to your life that things may become in your life as the Word has proclaimed them. Now, here's what we got to look at. The Word does not change. If the Word does not change, then Christ is still my advocate. In 1 John chapter 2, verses 1 and 2, he says, My little children, do not sin. But if you do, you have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous, who is our propitiation, and not ours only, but the whole world. Isn't that amazing? So the world does not change. Christ is the advocate. He's ever interceding. He's ever standing there. When I can't pray, Paul said to the Romans, he said, Holy Spirit is going to pray through me because I don't know how to pray. And not only is he going to pray through me because I don't know how to pray, but he's going to pray through me with groanings. That's too deep for me to understand. Well, you know what I think? If Holy Spirit's going to pray for me, and he's going to pray for me with that depth that he's going to pray for me, I think it's going to be a cleansing prayer. Somebody say, man, I believe it's going to be a prayer that's just going to cleanse me from the inside to the outside, from the top to the bottom, a total cleansing, because Holy Spirit is my propitiation. He is my atonement, and he is, and Jesus, I mean, is my propitiation and my atonement, and Holy Spirit is the one who prays through me. Come on, people. If I have been given the keys to the kingdom of heaven, and heaven controls everything, and if prosperity to the righteous man brings conviction upon the sinner, and Deb comes to him and says, Oh, Pastor, now wait a minute. She said, I read that. She didn't say it like that. You all see how she's looking at me right now. Now she's chuckling. She's a Marine. You need to be careful. Simplify, right? You need to be careful with them people. They're a little crazy. Okay? They'll hurt you. She come up to me and she said, but that word, don't that word means infuriate? Yeah. But you got to take that then to the next word. And what happens is, is that prosperity in the life of a Christian infuriates people because they know God is bringing to you prosperity. Just infuriates, it vexes, and it brings them to conviction. Isn't that not totally amazing? Now, if, if prosperity brings conviction on the sinner, and God has given us the keys to the kingdom of heaven, and heaven controls everything, if he's done that, and then if he has washed us and cleansed us and made us whole, if he has given us a measure of his faith, 
if he is saying the very words that you speak, heaven controls, if he has done those, if he is, has given us the keys that says whatever you bind is bound, whatever you loose and heaven is loose, and when you can't pray, my Holy Spirit's going to go to work before you, how can we be defeated? How can any weapon formed against us stop us from being victorious in the Lord Jesus Christ? Listen, the word does not change. Christ is still our advocate. We got a guy back here that we're going to pray for in a minute that had a hip replacement or hip surgery. And there's going to be total healing going to take place today. And they say, Pastor, you can't be that sure. I can be that sure. And why can I be that sure? Because my words. You say, but their words, no. I have faith. Well, how do you know you have faith? Because God gave me a measure of his faith. And if his faith calmed the sea, he looked at those people, he looked at his disciples, and he said, oh, ye of little faith. He said, don't you know that your little faith would have calmed that sea? And so even if my faith is little compared to the devil, it's great faith. Somebody say amen to that. So I'm going to speak into that hip, and according to God's word that doesn't change, that hip is going to be healed. That's God's word. God's word says in, in Isaiah chapter 55, I can't tell you the verse right now, but it says this, His word will not return void. How many of you understand this word today is not going to come back empty? Listen, God's word does not change. Christ is our advocate. Christ is ever interceding for us. And according to Romans 8, 26, Christ searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit. Somebody say amen. According to Romans 8, chapter 1 and 2, Christ delivered me from bondage, from the sin of death, where, where the law no more has jurisdiction over me. And so therefore, condemnation can't come upon me because I've been set free from this. Is this making sense to anybody? If that be the case then, the devil, the only way that the devil can come against me and at work is for me to believe a deception. And that deception is that my sins aren't truly forgiven. Because if I believe they are, then as soon as they try to come across my mind, I just cast them down. When anxiety and worries starts to invade, cast it down. The words that you speak, the words of faith that you speak, will destroy any rebellion that the devil sets up against you, that he sets up against me. Words of faith. When you start to, is it okay, Katina, if I, if I say this, when she started to complain, then she wasn't using words of faith. She was using negative words that was just seeding right into that thing, just seeding right into that thing. Frank Brown and I started the business. It was his money. We started the business in 1983. We started via bank courier. It was my brain and his money. Okay? And we started this, this business, and this thing, boom, 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 boom. This guy was a very wealthy Christian man, and the only office that we had was a corner booth at Denny's Cafe. And he said, we had the business three years, and he, he came to me, and he said, meet me at the office. Well, that was to meet him at Denny's Cafe. He lived in Kansas City. I lived here, and I said, okay, so I met him over there, and he said, Larry, he said, my kingdom is falling down around me, talking about the business, 
And I looked at him and I said, Frank, since when did it become your kingdom? He said, this meeting's over. He said, Father, forgive me. It's not my kingdom. It's your kingdom. He said, this meeting's over. We dedicate it back to the Lord. And instantly we took off like a rocket ship. It's something that God has provided for us. It's his kingdom. Understand with me, because if you don't stand with me, I'm going to preach all day. He's delivered us from condemnation. He's delivered us from sin. And he says that little faith that you have is greater than anything that the devil has. He says, start to speak it. He said, you have the keys to lock. You have the keys to unlock. He said, listen, your sins are forgiven. Now, I'm going to ask you to do something. If you are saved, I want you to wave your hand. I want you to wave your hand if you're saved. Before you walk out, Bill, Bill, I know you're leaving. Wave your hand if you're saved. I want to see this because I'm going to see if there's any unsaved in this church. If you're saved, I'm, because we're going to nail you. If you're unsaved, we're going to get you saved. All right, Lori, you're hiding behind your husband. All right, she's waving her hand. Even the little kids, they're waving their hands. Okay, listen to me. There's no point in giving an altar call today because here's what you said by waving your hand, that you have confessed with your lips and your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and you have uh, uh, believed in your heart that God raised him from the dead and so you believe that. If you believe that, say amen. amen. Okay, so you have repented from your sins. Say amen. amen. Right, if you have done that, then the kingdom of God has been given to you. And in the kingdom of God, there is no sin. If sin is coming before you, listen to me, you are being deceived. It is the lie of the enemy. Listen, purity and righteousness is what's in the kingdom of God. Now say, I have faith. Now say, I have faith to speak. And whatever I speak to, in the name of Jesus, either has to leave or it has to stay. But something's going to take place. That's the faith that we have to have today. Say, the faith that God has given me is greater than anything in this world. Now say this. Say, the world doesn't understand it. Now here's the big one. But the devil doesn't either. I'm not going to waste my time speaking to the devil. He's not worth it. He's an enemy of God. So I will speak words of faith. And I will speak to the throne room where my dad sits on the throne. Say this, my dad never turns me away. He has given me everything. In my body, in my soul, and in my spirit. Now say this, say, I receive in the name of Jesus prosperity. Say, in the name of Jesus I take the seed that God has given me and I sow it in the ground expecting, say it again, say expecting a harvest to come from that seed in my body, in my soul, in my spirit, in the ministry that God has given me. Say in my church, say this one, in my pastor, say in my family. Say in my loved ones, listen, say this, God is unchangeable. He is today, 
He was yesterday, and He will be forever. We'll finish it with this by two unchangeable things. God cannot lie. Father God, we give you praise and we give you glory. And we thank you for this. We thank you for this. And Father God, we receive your word. In Jesus' name, stay with me, Harold. Find me a song. Because I'm going to read some things to you. They're not mine. But they was given to us some time ago by the, guy, by the name of Phil Clemens. How many of you remember him? Here's what he said. It's not about budget. It's about your vision. How many of you got that? He said this. He said, have a Holy Spirit urgency to pray and fast for souls. He says, because what you need is about to happen. What do you need? What do you need? Go ahead and take it. What do you need? Bring your needs here right now. Harold, go ahead and start us on. Bring your needs. Okay, I'm, I'm sorry. Don't bring your needs. Seriously. Holy Spirit said, don't, don't have them do that. Okay. Just start speaking. Okay, Rachel. Raise your hands, hon. God is meeting your need. Now, now, Rachel, make eye contact with me. He's saying he's given you faith. Just speak it to him. And he's meeting your needs. Say, I'm healed. I cast down vain imagination. And receive Holy Spirit for healing, for prosperity, for strength. In Jesus' name, receive that. 